of Flight Instructors and NAFI members, John Niehaus, Director of Program Development for the National Association of Flight Instructors, welcoming you back to another episode of the NAFI More Right Rudder Podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. And today I'm really excited because this is actually the first recording that we are sharing from the 2023 NAFI Professional Development Center at AirVenture. We were super excited this year. We had more presentations than I think we've ever had before. We did, I think it was 33 in total over the course of the week. And we met, uh, I think it was over a thousand flight instructors and pilots uh, who came to watch and listen and learn uh, from these presentations. And we had just a amazing group of instructors that came to uh, to teach so we thank everybody who not just came but also to everybody who presented and shared their knowledge with us and the industry so thank you everybody and welcome new instructors and members who joined during the show so um, this is a, a wonderful organization i hope you'll get a lot out of it as i know i have um so this presentation is actually by a good friend of the family, and it's Gary GPS Reeves, or Guy in the Pink Shirt. Um, now, Gary has been uh, 2019 FAA National CFI of the Year. Um, he's on the FAA safety team. He's had over two decades of experience. Um, just amazing guy. He runs pilotsafety.org, and pilotsafety.org is also a NAFI sponsor. So we thank him and Pilot Safety for that. And I encourage you to go to pilotsafety.org if you want to see some really good presentations and learn some things because anything that Gary does, um, you can definitely uh, um, feel confident that it's going to not just be good and entertaining, but uh, be something that, that is important, something that you can learn from. So check out some of the courses that he's got on pilotsafety.org and, and consider them a sponsor of this episode. Now, this presentation is titled Flight and Ground Instructor Pro Tips uh, by Gary Reeves. And he presented this um, again in the PDC. And he has essentially compiled tips from instructors around the world and um, has sort of picked out the ones he likes the best and has tried to use his platform as an opportunity to share those tips and educate others. Um, give his kind of two cents on them too. So I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, um, yeah, so without further ado, Flight and Ground Instructor Pro Tips by Gary Reeves. This is an intro to tell you how wonderful I am. I'm a lead rep for the FAA safety team. I don't know, in like five or six years, I've given out 30,000 credits. And I was by far the winner and the most active FAA rep in all of Texas until California kicked out another one of us and sent Schiff into my territory. <clears throat> and then I came in second last month. Um, 
I'm uh, one of only a few people who have a master instructor accreditation from both NAFI and SAFE. I'm the only national training provider for actually four very big companies, but everybody knows Avidyne and Genesis. And I have, anybody have a wall of shame at home? You know where you put plaques and awards? I have a giant wall that is no room for anything more of nothing but framed articles in national magazines and all these awards certificates and all these plaques to remind me that I'm the best thing ever on the planet, including a little one like that. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to suspend reality and believe a couple things just for a minute. If we assume I really am the best IFR avionics instructor on the planet, because that's what my wall says, okay? That's what everybody tells me. If we assume I really am the greatest instructor on the planet at only one thing, because I'm not good at anything else, teaching people who are good in IFR to be great using avionics with real-world emergencies, okay? If you just believe that, it's because I was born a genius or I was just a natural pilot and flight instructor and just born super awesome. N not the top thing. The top thing is true. But well, wait a minute. Remember that. All right, so a lot of things I'm going to say today are strictly my opinion. Naffy didn't tell me to say them. The FAA didn't say me to say them. A lot of this is just my opinion. But... Because I'm going to say some crazy things, I need to warn you as instructors of something called an emotional upset. All of you are current or future flight or ground instructors, yeah? I need to warn you about something called an emotional upset. If you tell people in a crowd something they 100% believe is true and they live by it, and you tell them everything they know true is totally wrong, they will A, not believe you, B, get emotionally upset, become angry, and take reactive action against you. I was teaching at a very large convention, and I said, you should not put the gear down at Glide Slope Intercept because it is not safe. How many of you, when you're flying VFR traffic pattern in a retractable gear airplane, wait until you turn short final to drop the gear. Does that make sense? Why would you ever drop the gear when your IMC at the highest workload, highest stress part of the flight and drop your gear on short final? You would not. I've researched thousands of NTSB accident reports and a large percentage of gear up landings every single year are from following an outdated dangerous practice. This was taught 50 years ago, and everybody goes, drop the gear to track the glide path. How many people have taught people and done this? Drop the gear at glide slope. And it totally works. Until the one time you put the gear level down, but you're so tired and focused on following a localizer and a glide slope, you don't notice your nose gear ain't there until you hear the crunch. And it happens 20 to 30 times every calendar year in the U.S., Mike, American Airlines, you dropped the gear at Glide Slope Intercept, right? Really? thought you dropped it a little bit earlier. Oh, wait. Two pilot crew 
not counting the robots. Do you see why single pilots should not drop gear glide path? So I'm going to tell you something totally crazy. I teach all of my students, I don't care if they're in a TBM, a Mustang, or an Augusto A109 helicopter. I want the gear dropped five miles before the initial approach fix because it slows the whole approach down. You have time to guarantee when you're flying alone it's down, and it makes the whole thing more stable. Is that contrary to what most people have been taught? Now, your instructors, you're going to go, well, I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to decide you're an idiot, but I'm going to think about it for five minutes first. And then you're going to, a week later, go, hmm, maybe I'll try it and see if I like it. Well, I taught this at a major convention, and the head of their safety committee stood up and went, that's wrong. Nobody ever listened to him. And I finished my presentation. He grabbed me by the arm, took me outside, and goes, are you an idiot? I'm like, well, my wife thinks so. Why? And he goes, if you drop the gear five miles before the initial approach fix, these very high-performance turbine planes, you're going to cause people to stall spin. Wait, okay. So by putting the gear down, the plane flips over in a stall spin? He goes, oh, they're going to get slow and stall spin if you put the gear out. What? They published in their monthly magazine that an apology for having me speak and promise to do better about checking in speakers before they come. Okay. Would dropping the gear five miles before the initial approach fix cause a high-performance turbine single to flip upside down magically into a stall spin? Is that a reasonable reaction? It was for him because he had taught these groups for 25 years, this is correct. So I'll give you another example and then I'll move on. If you want to see an emotional upset, how many of you get together with family during Thanksgiving and Christmas? Pick one of them and go, your religion's dumb. It's not true. Let me know how it works out. So if I say some crazy things today, your professionals, if you feel yourself going wrong, everybody has a reaction. Take a breath. I may be right. So I want to talk about the problem with uh, learners getting poor flight instruction. I want to talk about the problem in GA education today. And I'm going to tell you the problem that we think it is and the actual problem. So the problem is CFI training programs, right? Well, maybe. Let me ask you a question, true or false? CFI training programs like CFI Boot Camp, ATP, Embry-Riddle, they will make you good at passing the written and the FAA check rights. True or false? Well, of course. True or false? When you pass the check ride, you'll be great at teaching your first year. Because CFI training academies are not designed for that at all. They don't even tell you how to be a good instructor. They can't. Everybody remember memorizing RUAC? Right? Congratulations, you passed Rote. So knowing how to fly means you know how to teach. True or false? But if I wrote, memorized the RUAC and the FOI for the written test, this will help you understand how to teach 
apply the best teaching techniques, and correlate and help someone in a new learning challenge. True or false? It false. It has nothing to do with how to teach. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody here ever met a pilot trained by a new or time builder CFI that didn't know some of the basic things you thought they should know? That failed their check ride for stupid reasons because they weren't prepared real well? Anybody ever met a pilot that was trained by a new or a time builder CFI that you didn't think the CFI did a really good job? Can you give me an example of something you saw in the pilot that wasn't done to your standards? Okay, so she went to a four-year university. Her CFI was a new time builder. For her commercial, he didn't know some of the maneuvers. In fact, he entered the pattern wrong. Anybody else ever gotten a student after a time builder or new CFI had them and you had to like fix some stuff? Okay, what? Okay, so the student didn't even know runway headings. What else? Who else has had to clean something up? So he did a mock check ride for a student um, a couple days before his check ride, and the guy could not do a safe, correct steep turn. And he said, you are not ready for your check ride. The low time, new time builder sent him anyway, and everybody what? He failed. I'll give you a couple examples. So this guy hires me. So if you don't know what I actually do for a living is I sell like 10,000 videos a year. I've sold 5,000 copies of my book. But my real job is making bad jokes at like people like you. But what I really do is people hire me for a very three-day, very intense. You've got a plane. You're good at IFR. You're good at your Garmin. Now let me show you how to be great when things go wrong. This is what I do for a living. So this guy hires me. And uh, he was going, yeah, Gary, you know, you're teaching me so much I've never learned before. And I'm like, mm, okay. He goes, you know, I actually failed my private pilot check ride, which was weird because I had a great instructor. I go, okay. So he was a great instructor. The guy goes, oh, yeah. I go, so why'd you fail your check ride? He goes, oh, um, he didn't teach me VORs before he sent me for the check ride. But he was a great instructor. Okay. He goes, yeah, but no, he was a great guy. I hired him for my instrument training. Um, but I failed my instrument check ride the first time, too. But he's a great instructor. I'm like, yeah, I can tell. I go, why'd you fail your instrument check ride? He goes, oh, um, he never knew how to or showed me how to work in autopilot. But he's a great guy. Have you heard why this happens? Because, let's go back one. You know why this happened? How many people have heard the phrase, time builders don't care? Honestly, how many people have said this? Okay. It's 100% wrong, and it damages the industry, and you're causing more harm by spreading a total myth and an untruth. I'm flat out telling you this is a lie that makes everything worse. You know why? Because... When they hear you say new instructors and time builders don't care, that builds animosity from them against you. Has, has anybody here ever been successfully able to like somebody that hated you? So when you stand up in public and go, time builders don't care, you're saying you hate them and they're awful people. Well, okay, the people who are brand new instructors who need experience 
and mentors and help from instructors like us, will they ever ask us for help if we've told them they're crap? No, it is a total falsehood. I have never in 20 years of teaching met a time builder that honestly said, I don't care if my students live or die. Have you ever met a time builder that looked at you straight to your face and said, I don't care if they pass their check ride. Has anyone ever met an instructor that says, I don't care if my students live or die? Then saying they don't care is incorrect and it's harmful because it makes them angry and afraid to ask us for help. First of all, time building is how every job on the planet happens. How many people knew an EMT that was only there to get experience to become a paramedic, that was only there to get into medical school? How many people know somebody like that? How many people can think of another industry where people start at one level, gain experience, and promote up? How many people do you think that manage five McDonald's wanted to be the French fry guy forever? Building time is honorable and it works. You respect people who want to work their way up and not just be given instant success, right? And you're not great at anything in your first year, right? How many people would hire a heart surgeon to work on somebody you love that had been through a three-week heart surgeon academy that learned all the rules and memorized enough to pass a written test that did one simulated heart surgery in 90 minutes in a very carefully controlled situation with somebody observing them, but it wasn't a real surgery. It was all simulated. How many people would hire that heart surgeon? Did I just describe CFI training? Who here has a real full-time job, not pilot or flight instructor? What do you do, sir? Finance. You were great in your first three days in finance. No. I was the worst CFI when I was new. How many people thought you were not maybe as good as you could have been in your first couple of days? I was much worse than you. Do you know for the first three months, I wouldn't let a student land the plane or take my hands off the flight controls because I was terrified they were going to kill me. Because I had no experience at teaching flying. Oh, I'd been, in, I'd been a teacher for 20 years. I was a really good pilot. I know I was great because I had like 300 hours. Yeah, we all thought that. But I had no experience teaching. So... Question. Long-time CFIs in the room. If, raise your hand if you've been an instructor, flight or ground. So when I say CFI, it's flight or ground. How many of you, raise your hands, have been an instructor for at least 10 years? Okay. The people raising their hands. Looking back, you did a great job educating after one week. Were you the best instructor you could have been after a month? Were you the best instructor you could have been after nine months? 
Now, just looking back, you thought you were doing a good job day one, right? You wanted to do a good job. But anybody in here give me a number of years where you, looking back, you went, hey, I became really effective after this period of time. Who here can give me an example? Audience participation is helpful. And you promised to, you read the thing. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Does that seem reasonable if you've been an instructor for 10 years? Can you all look back and say, you know, after about three years, I kind of started to get the hang of it. Did you care about your students on day one? Yeah. Did you want to do a good job on day one? No. Yeah, well, of course. Did you have the experience to be as good on day one as you are now after 10 years? No. All right. Remember that thing at the front where I said, Let's assume it's true I'm the world's greatest at avionics instruction in IFR because I was born a genius or I'm just a natural pilot super instructor. And you all laughed and said no. Let's again just pretend for a second that I am the world's greatest instructor for avionics in IFR. Is it possible if that was true? Because my commercial instructor demonstrated mastery, not minimums, would not accept anything less than 100% on three practice written tests, would not let me take the check ride until I could diagram the fuel system piece by piece and I had gone with him to at least six FAA Wings programs. I've had really good friends and mentors like Rod Machado for 10 years, who's been my friend, who's acted as a mentor and helped me get better because I've been supported by groups like NAFI. I can't even tell you everything NAFI has done for me, and Bob, and Paul, and Mike, and Brian, and Karen. I can't even tell you how many times these people have had my back, and how many people, how many times these people have made me better, because I'm gonna start crying. And I've had two decades of experience. Would it be possible with that that I could be pretty good at my job? Yeah. So new time builder CFIs just don't have a lot of experience yet. You know how we fix it? We give every future new and experienced flight instructor in the country 50,000 hours of experience before they teach day one or after they've been teaching 10 years. How many of you are good instructors now? Honestly, you are a good instructor, okay? How many of you would be better if you got 50,000 hours of more experience? Okay, well, let's just give everybody on the planet that for free, including mentoring, support, and it's all for free for every future or current ground or flight instructor in the country, and it's all free. At which point somebody goes, okay, what's the catch? Somebody's going to pay for it, right? Yeah. Uh, there was, there's a company that supports safety. They're the national sponsor of the FAA Wings program. Avemco. Avemco two years ago wrote me a $5,000 check and said, Gary, we love all the safety stuff you do for free. If we give you... 5,000 bucks, would you create two videos just to help new instructors? And I went, yeah, no problem. It's going to cost me about $12,000 to do it, but I'll 
kick in the other half, sure. A lot of work, a lot of research, hosting fees, all that, ta-da. And then I went, this is not even remotely going to be good enough. So remember, somebody's got to pay for it, right? Okay. Me. This year, I have spent most of it and am committed to spending the rest. I pulled $50,000 out of my personal bank account, and I will pay for, produce, print a 300-page book and six hours worth of videos, and I will ship them across the country, and I'll pay for every instructor or future instructor to get a copy for free. Don't care. As long as you promise to do this, you don't make me write the book. If I wrote a flight and ground instructor pro tips book, it would not be a good book. It wouldn't even help. It might make people worse because it's only one very limited point of view. So how about if you people write the book? What if you all just submit one tip or one short story and you write the book? And somebody goes, well, so I put this on Facebook and some, you know, there's always a one on Facebook. This guy responds back, so you want me to produce all the content that you're gonna sell for free? Well, no, I'm spending 50 grand this year to give it out for free. He goes, what's in it for me? Okay, you're published as a co-author. How many people look at a book and see an author's name and that gives them some credibility? Yeah, and I'll link to your website and promote people to buy your stuff or promote people to hire you as an instructor. I had a really great friend go, I wanna give $100,000 a year to charity. And our business coach said, you cannot. And she goes, why? And she goes, cause you need to make $300,000 a year before you can give a third away. You can't give money away unless you have extra money. I want you to promote your business. I want you to make more money as an instructor. Because the more money you make, the more free stuff you can give out to other people. And you're going to make every instructor better, and the accident rate's going to go down. Do you want to see some examples of what's in the video? So there's several videos. I'm going to pull something out of uh, the top five mistakes teaching private pilot. I think the biggest mistake good instructors make is not using a written lesson plan. Okay? It's just my opinion. So what do written lesson plans accomplish? Well, organized learning is more effective. It makes your job easier. It holds the student and the instructor accountable because it keeps everybody moving. It guarantees coverage. You won't send somebody to the check ride and not teach VORs. And it reduces the average time to pass a check ride by about 25%. It also guarantees you a lot more students because you look like a pro. So what should each lesson include? And I keep saying, if you do this and you do this and you do this, the people in the AFI tent, you're probably already doing this, okay? It's just a habit. Student homework to read and watch before coming to each lesson, a ground lesson plan, a flight sim lesson plan, an accomplishment standard, okay? So what kind of homework should you put, what kind of homework should great instructors give? Or why should they do it? Because it holds them accountable. It gives them a feeling of accomplishment. If they come in and you say, great job on your homework, they feel good about themselves. And it really speeds learning and improves retention. You wanna see some stuff that's in the book? Well, first of all, the first article is by a guy named 
John Nyahosius? I don't know. Some guy named Victor Vogel. Never heard of him. Um, there's, I don't even know what Nafi is or who those people are. How about we look uh, at the top right? Yeah, ignore. I had to write at least one article. Scroll through. The, anybody ever heard of Les Abend? Flying Magazine? Anybody ever heard of any of these people? Daryl Dilly? Paul Predecker? I don't know how to say that. Um, Mike Gish? So are the people in the book, do they have some credibility with you? Sure. So we have two things you can contribute. You can contribute a longer story. This is a three-page article from John Niehaus. Karen Kalashek and Nafi have gone out of their way to support this. She collected hundreds of tips. So thank you, Karen and Nafi. Karen and Nafi alone sent in three over 300 years of aviation experience. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Bob Meter? This is something Bob sent in. And heavily edited to fit on slide. The best instructors I have met and tried to emulate revel in their students' successes, show genuine concern about their students' difficulties, share the truth about their performance, good or bad, but present it in a positive way that they'll accept. They're willing to take legitimate critique. They never lower their standards. The best instructors are a good coach, a thoughtful mentor, a reasonable authority figure, and an empathetic partner in the student's success. I think that's something great. Never heard of this guy. Let's see what he has to say. Too many pilots drop out of flight training thinking they are not cut out to fly, not realizing that it's because of an incompatibility with the CFI. Maybe personality or just teaching style. Learning to fly should be fun and comfortable experience. He's telling instructors, if you don't mesh well with or cannot provide both for a particular student, suggest they switch to another CFI. That is a wonderful tip. Here's something called Modeling Not Mistakes from William Woodbury. He's only been teaching for 40 years. Don't underestimate the value of modeling. This is one of my favorite tips in the book. And he says, make sure to show students how to do a maneuver or procedure correctly before having them try it on their own. When they fail to do it correctly, do not let them do it again. Demonstrate it correctly, let them try again. If they fail it, show them the good way, let them try again. Too often students are let to try a maneuver three or four times, getting it wrong, what are they learning? how to get it wrong. Has anybody ever heard the quote, practice makes perfect? And that was a lie. Practice makes permanent. If you let a student do a steep turn wrong six times in a row, they're never gonna get it right because they're building muscle memory. Thank you, William. How about some very short, quick tips that you could put in? Never heard of this guy. This is his entire tip. Introduce the ACS right from the start. The Practicals GAM is an open book test, and the ACS is the book. That's a great tip. Okay, my favorite tip in the entire book, and it's all gold. You know, my favorite tip for the entire book so far was sent in by a, 
anonymous private pilot who has never, I think he has like 53 hours. He never has any desire to become an instructor. So it's not that I just want tips from you all, the best instructors on the planet. If you're naffy, you're in it for safety. It, I want your tips and stories, but the best tips I have received so far came from low time private pilots because they had an observation about their instructor. And you know what this guy says? He doesn't even want his name published. As a student, I loved all my instructors, but nonstop talking was distracting. The need to communicate is there, but use less words, stop talking, and let the students focus and absorb more. I wish I'd heard that, because I you wouldn't believe this, but I tend to like to talk. So I want to ask you how committed to this project you are. If you're committed to giving every new future or 50-year experienced instructor, if you're committed to making them better to make pilots safer, would you share the information with others? Would you just send in one short tip or story? Would you be active in groups? And would you give mastery, not minimum training? Tell people on Facebook. Tell other instructors. Share one of the tips in the book with a student actively promote and get input in groups like NAFI and SAFE and ABS and COPA and all those. All right, so how do you get the book? Monday morning on my website will be the ebook version that anybody can download for free right off my website. Okay, so if you can't get there, don't worry about it. All right, remember that whole thing that I gotta pay for it? This is a shameless plug for you to help me get more money to pay for these things. Is anybody familiar with my Avidine Garmin IFR or Flight real world mastery programs? Let me ask you a question. Anybody here train instrument students? Okay. Do you have a GPS in the plane you're using? Would they, if you gave them your private referral code and they got $50 off any of my videos, and they studied my videos and knew how to work the GPS before doing a flight lesson. Could they not be heads down in the cockpit and pay attention to you and learn faster? Could they actually just focus on flying the plane and not work in a button? I'm gonna make this work. So if you'll sign up for the instructor program and give out your coupon code, they'll get 50 bucks off any of my $200 videos. You're gonna be sent this student signed up on this date, you're gonna be sent a copy of their completion certificate, and you're gonna get free lesson plans and quizzes to use after every chapter to make sure they understood it and help you supplement my videos. Oh, and I'll send you 50 bucks in cash for everyone too. Would that work? So I'm asking if you believe in my videos and if you believe learning the GPS before flight training would help, to participate in this program, and financially it'll help me, but that'll help me do more of this stuff. Does anybody here wanna share a tip with us now? He does. Anybody wanna share one little tip on something you learned? How many people just came here to get out of the rain and you didn't know I was gonna be talking? Okay. It means the world to me to have partners like you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being part of NAFI. And thanks for supporting Avemco and I, Avemco and I's little project. Yeah. Can I ask, 
me to bring here that may be useful is U.S. Uh, CFIs. I've got a friend who's Canadian pilot, Canadian certificate, Canadian registered plane, asking for help to work towards commercial multi. Any guidance on navigating the regulatory requirements for that? Has anybody ever wondered about that? If you're a U.S. flight instructor and a Canadian citizen with a Canadian plane ask you for help training for an instrument rating. Is that legal to do? It is 100% legal to do if, and this is my recommendation, you guys might have better ideas that we could share and put this in the next pro tips version. I say you can go to Canada and fly with them all you want, but you cannot endorse their logbook as training received because you're not a training you're not a NAV Canada instructor. Also, by the way, you must have a visa if you're going to Canada for work. If you just go in on a tourist ticket, they will refuse you at the border and send you home. If they catch you, I think the fines start at like 25 grand. But could he help a Canadian student get his instrument rating? Could he help a Canadian pilot by giving him an IPC? Can he help a Canadian pilot by giving him wings credits? and a legal flight review. 100% if they just bring their plane across the border and you do all of that here. If the student flies his plane across the border, can you log training as dual given for an instrument rating? Of course. Can you do a flight review and an IPC if they also have a US certificate? Can you give wings credits for completing activity? Yeah, right? So if you have a question, that needs to be in the pro tips book. Yeah. Okay, great question. He says if he comes to the States and he has a U.S. How do you get a U.S. private pilot certificate if you have a, US, uh, if you have a Canadian private pilot certificate? It, Bob? There's no written test. There's no check ride. You walk into the FISDO. You make an appointment. You walk in the FISDO, and they go, here you go. So if a Canadian pilot wants your help, Help them get a U.S. certificate, too. Why? Because they fly here. What's the other great benefit about giving people wings credits and getting them active in the FAA safety program? Do you, so if you have a violation, filling out a NASA or ASRS form does absolutely nothing at the FAA level. They don't care. They don't even want the number. It has no effect on them. Do you know what makes the difference between paying an instructor for five hours of remedial training and them going, sorry, you got caught, you're a great instructor, we're closed, have a good day on the first 10 minutes of a phone call, is if you are active in the FAA WINGS program because you're demonstrating you believe in education. What does it help to have a Canadian pilot active in the FAA WINGS program and for you to give FAA WINGS credit? Does NAV Canada care? I don't know. But do they fly in US airspace and what happens if they get in trouble here, right? Bob? I will add, add this because I sit on several committees with our friends uh, up north. Um, yeah, they're, they're interested. They do pay attention and they do share the data. So. so has anybody ever wondered about this or did anybody not off the top of their head know the instant answer? Let's put it in the pro tips book. I have uh, one minute here. If I'm training a Canadian pilot, don't I have to go through the alien system? 
if he is training a alien, not a U.S. citizen or permanent green card holder, for an FAA certificate or rating, would he have to go through the TSA thing? Yes. Do you have to go through the TSA thing if he gets a free U.S. private pilot and you're just providing a flight review or an IPC for his U.S. certificate? No. If you are training him only to get a Canadian certificate, I don't know. I'd do it anyway. But these, right? All right, I got to run because I got to go with Vemco. Y'all mean the world to me. You're the best instructors because you're here. And thanks, I got to run, okay?